Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors to hear about what they are learning, what they are teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our Behind the Sermon podcast. Today, we are joined with uh, a few wives, so only one of them is mine. (laughs) Uh, We've kicked out Jeremy and Andrew and replaced them with their better halves. So, uh, my wife Michelle is here, Uh, Lulu Zemianic, Pastor Andrew's wife is here, and Haley Arsenal, Pastor Jeremy's wife is here. Will you guys all say hi? Hello. Thank you for having us. Excited to be here. Uh, All right. So tell us, I mean, I think I asked your husbands last week, but actually I don't even remember. Was Andrew on the podcast last week? No. 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 So, uh, so anyway, tell us how long have you been married? And then I have the correct answers and we'll see (laughs) who's right. Uh, so we've been married for 15 years in July. So Nate and I have been married for almost 15 years. That's exciting. I, we've been married five and a half years yesterday all right oh, that's, that's lulu scary. people yes i think you don't recognize your voice this is Haley, and jeremy and i have been married for seven years this may which is kind of crazy that's awesome goes by fast that's good so we scheduled you guys to come in on this series um for this week um probably over a month ago and then uh, last minute, it, w- it was going to be all of us. So we extended the invitation to all of you. Not sure if each of you would say yeah. And then you've all said yeah, which is great. But so then that put too many people in the room. So the conversation last week was, hey, should we just let the wives have the whole podcast? And I'm like, well, I was thinking about it. And I'm like, um, you know, one of the reasons I invited them in is because I wanted a multi-gender um, conversation. So it's not a one-sided conversation about marriage. And then secondly, I wanted to make sure I was in here to moderate my wife. So I just need to make sure that uh, she doesn't go that, offline here. That is not If Michelle. anybody's going to take this podcast in a direction it shouldn't go. It's Michelle. It's going to be Michelle. Just, oh my gosh. So, Guys. So anyway, um, our what was supposed to be one week of pitfalls in marriage is going to be two weeks now uh, because there's just too much to cover in one week. So my original sermon outline that I didn't preach was going to be uh, pitfalls in marriage, forgetting you're human, which was essentially what I talked about on Sunday. So how you treat each other, Mm. then forgetting your lovers, which is what we're talking about next week. And then forgetting your friends, which I think we're just going to skip. Um, uh, and so that was what we're originally going to preach. Instead, we preached, um, these four relational germs that the National Institute of Marriage came out with. And these, and we, we, you know, talked about relational pitfalls. These four pitfalls, um, occur in 90% of divorces, but even beyond that, they are predictors of divorce. So if you have these active in your marriage, um, it is actually a predictor. And if you have more than one, then the the likelihood of divorce happening in your future continues. So these are mm-hmm. big deals. These are important. Yeah. And um, so just kind of, you know, just give me your initial 
thoughts of the sermon yesterday and as you're sitting there just what you're what you were thinking and yeah and talk through some of that yeah i if you don't mind I'll go. Yeah. So yesterday when we were sitting down and you were talking about like the four, it was kind of good to hear it through your standpoint and not only yours, but like, what were you saying that it was like, um, it was a t- statistic from some, yeah, the national Institute yeah, of Marriage. to think that it's like bigger than just like, you know, hearing it from you, but like, it's like a statistic for everybody. Like, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like let's, it lets me analyze and think about myself, not just thinking about like Jeremy, but for me, mm-hmm. it put it in a perspective, like, okay, how do I respond in areas of my life? And, um, going into it, I know there was a couple that I was like, okay, I definitely need to rethink how I talk, like communication wise, all of that was pretty, I know for me, two of them was like withdrawal and then, um, the um, false beliefs, like like going straight to like the negative outlook on what your spouse is saying or saying to you, um, even as like compliments, like sometimes it's hard for me to accept a compliment because I'm quick to saying like, oh, okay, like I just disregard it. But right. it's one of those things where it's like, no, that's still not healthy in my marriage to not believe what my husband is saying to me. So yeah, those two for me was withdrawal and um, believing falsely of what my spouse is saying, like those were big, um, just things that I wanted to take in, soak in and try and fix. Michelle, I told the whole church what yours was. Do you agree with that or not? (laughs) Um, I don't think I agree with it in the manner that you played it out. (laughs) Um, but sometimes because you withdraw, I just want some emotion out of you. So I will just poke and poke and poke until I get some reaction. I'm like, oh, okay, he's alive. Like, <laughs> I'll stop now. And then I'll withdraw or whatever, because whatever reaction I got was hurtful or something. And so definitely, and then false beliefs, I think, I mean, I do that in everyday life anyways with yeah. people, like mm-hmm. thinking falsely of why they said what they said or what they mm. think of me or whatever. Like that's something I think... It's hard to do in everyday life. For and sure. then you put it in your marriage and you're like, you left your shoes there because you don't care that I just cleaned all day. <laughs> it's like amplified. Yeah. yeah. And then it doesn't like even make sense if you stop to think about it. Um, any thoughts from you, Lula? Yeah, no. So mine were very similar to, to Haley. So the kind of the withdrawing, um, kind of looking back it's even like look it's interesting even like looking back I think about because we've been married five and a half years looking back to kind of our marriage even then at the beginning to now and seeing like yeah some of these like as we were starting out like like withdrawing and stuff and it's interesting kind of to see where we've come from there and but still kind of like little areas that I still like I still struggle with like the withdrawing and the same kind of with you guys with the false beliefs because then I think it was in your kind of in your notes and stuff that you're really focusing on like the negative. And so I can find myself personally just like focusing on like on a negative and just kind of just rolling with it until it, until it keeps going. And so kind of getting out of that, out of that mindset. And when you were 
talking through kind of, I'd say with kind of mentioning what Haley said, but the focusing, I really like how you really amplified, like focus on yourself. Like this is not a focus on what your other, what your spouse has for, for a negative or what, what they're, what you think they are. It was like, no, just completely focus on yourself. And you kind of, you really like pushed it, which was really good for me. So I was just like, no, this is completely like my time. Where do I need to work on? Like, what do I need to focus on? Where can I grow? Um, Where can we grow together? So it was like really, really good. I think that you you push that because it kind of really made me zone in on, okay, this is for me, um, for me to take away from. I think something too that like the world likes to preach on is the other person. Like mm-hmm. they like, people like to point the finger at the other person or the other spouse and be like, well, you're not doing this or you're not doing that. Or like, mm-hmm. it's always driven and focused on your spouse and the problems they are. Cause if they're the problem, then they're the reason for why a marriage is failing and twisting right. it around to have it more self it's I don't want to say self-centered but in a good way to get rid of what's nasty in your heart and in your marriage to fix it so it, it's it turns it around way better that way yeah, definitely even um you know the blaming mm. you know our bet oh I had an affair because he or she never I um, escalate because he withdraws. I, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always putting it on the on the other person. But you know, it's our it's our sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. so we can't repent of another person's sin. Right. Nor does someone's actions make now our behaviors not sin, which is what we try to, mm-hmm. oh, I had an affair. Um, but you really can't count it as sin because they, you know, because they didn't take me out on Valentine's. <laughs> or they yeah, sin first, so it's okay. Yeah, then. they sin first, yeah, so just mine's not a it. sin. It, it, you know, and um, why, you know, t- Maybe this is not a good question, but why is that so tempting? Why is that? Why do are we all guilty of that? I think we are in every relationship of our life. Like yeah. we don't want to take ownership, yeah. and we want to put it on someone else so that we don't feel as shameful. Absolutely, yeah. shame hurts, and we don't like yeah. that feeling. And yeah. shame makes us do really horrible things. And so it's like, well, I did that because, and it's just be like, no, I did that, and it was wrong. Mm. And like, how can I change it? Which is where you're going to get the real change, right? Shame keeps us in that cycle of having the same behaviors and just blaming everybody for it. That's how we stay sick. Yeah, Like the hardest thing to say is I'm sorry. And so that would be a huge part of of committing that sin is sometimes you have to go to your spouse and apologize. And that can be so hard. And another thing too, sin is comfortable. People don't like to be Mm. comfortable like, and with, with growth, that is uncomfort. Like you have to step out of your comfort zone. And when you're living in sin, it's easier to do it that way. Like, I remember you talking about that in one of your previous sermons that like sin is easy to be in. Like it's easy right. to not grow and to be comfortable in where you're at and complacent. And like in a marriage, that is not where you want to be. Like you're always having to grow in your marriage every year. Like only, se- I mean, it's seven years, like you guys got 15. So like... <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? Yeah, sure. So like for your 15 years of marriage, what's been like a really good tool to help you guys learn to communicate better and to resolve like fights or issues or disagreements? 
think the biggest tool for me recently that we just that I just learned is like if Nate does something and I feel upset or hurt pausing and feeling wondering wait why do I feel yeah. hurt by him do leaving his shoes on the floor right like he didn't make me mad, right? I am mad, <laughs> yeah. but he didn't make me mad. Right. right? That's an emotion I chose to allow mm-hmm. to come forward. And so why is it there? And kind of like discovering and then being able to communicate to that to him. So when you left and he, I'm not upset about shoes, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to use something that's not real. Um, it, you know, if he had left shoes, it's like you left those shoes on the floor and it made me feel like you don't care that I cleaned all day. And I know it's probably not what you meant to say but that's how I'm feeling oh yeah instead of being like you did this because you hate me mm-hmm. which we do a lot mm, yeah um but that's something that for me and I do that in other relationships like oh so and so made me upset why am I feeling this way right what happened to me 20 years ago that's making me feel this way now yeah because they're not connected right oh. uh some things that I've learned over the years um enthusiastic agreement, which I tell people all the time. So I may be enthusiastic about moving forward with something. And if Michelle says, fine, we don't move forward. (laughs) She's like, yeah, do whatever you want. We don't move forward. I like, we'll keep talking about it, talking about it, talking about it till she is as enthusiastic as I am. Mm -hmm. And sometimes enthusiastic doesn't mean good. So it's just we both mutually agree because mm-hmm. uh, like sometimes it's hard decisions. Like, oh, we have to put the dog down. Hey, enthusiastic agreement. <laughs> like, no, but if it's like, no, let's let's wait, let's wait, you know. And um, but we're both on the same page, and so that mm-hmm. protects from bitterness and also from attack. So when we're both, unless she's lying, which then becomes another conversation. But when we both make a decision to move forward. And it was a stupid, horrific decision, which we've done before, like buying something or selling something or, or doing something. And they're like, we shouldn't have done that. Like we don't, no one can point the finger and blame because right. we work through it to where yeah. at the it's same a mutual place. Agreement. Yeah. So that's been a big thing. And then for me as husband, I learned this, like I talked about in my sermon, like when I was a teenager, someone telling me, don't ever get married. <laughs> And I, and I just saw the negative repercussions of that for many years to come. Mm, yeah. And, and I learned as a 17-year-old boy, don't say something you'll regret. So belittling, mm. I, I'm sure I belittled Michelle before, but never on purpose. I've never used my words to attack her or to yeah. put her down. And I learned that at 17 years old. Like yeah. those aren't going to come back. And there may be times I've thought stuff, but I've never said it out loud. Yeah, I've never called her dumb, stupid. Um, I'm who's got the Bible degree. I've never tried to hold anything over her head, and and so that was the other the other mm-hmm. big thing. So even in our in our worst fights, where I acted like a complete idiot, I never used my words to to put her down. And unless there's a few that stick out to you, <laughs> why do you think people like? Why do you think people like belittle? Is it a self like? defense mechanism type thing where people just, I know it's like a, one of the top things that people do that cause marriage problems, but. So I think when we're hurting, we hurt others, right? Yeah. We want so others to, to hurt, hurt with us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And so that you're like, sense. I'm hurting and so will you. Obviously we don't go through that process in our mind, right. but as you know, one thing that humans do right. as a reaction. Yeah. I think for it sure. comes mm-hmm. an outcome of pride too. Yeah. So if you're prideful, uh, you're not going to listen to your spouse. Yeah. 
Um, so when the husband's like, Hey, I, you know, I think we should try this approach with the kids. And he's just prideful. Like you're, who's the mom? Like who know? I'm the one with them. I'm the one who knows. I'm the one who makes this decision. And so it's unwilling to listen to the other person or, um, you know, the, the wife is, I don't know if that's a good financial decision. Well, who's the one who's a mathematician? Who's the one who, that's me. So you're not even on the same level to even have an opinion on this. And it's just, oh, it's, it's gross. Yeah. Talk to me about false beliefs, because I think each of you said that. Like, so that's not something I understand. Is that, uh, is that just, uh, it's three wives here, yeah. so is that 100% of wives think <laughs> and function this way? No, or what's the... probably not. I think it could just come to from insecurity sometimes, lack of confidence in areas of my life. Um, you know, it's weird because, like, as my spouse, he's the one that I love with all my heart. You'd think it would be easy to take a compliment or to believe the best out of him. Um, but I think it just, it could be a lack of confidence or just a fear of like, like the unknown, like, I don't know. It, it, it can stem from different areas. I, I'm still learning to analyze why I feel certain, like why I respond that way sometimes. Um, so I think the past in the, like the seven years of our marriage, this has been something that I have recently like, dug up like first our first part of marriage was definitely like the withdrawal like we got in an argument I was done I was checking out I was angry I didn't want to say something I was going to regret so that was like my excuse to get out like okay I don't want to say something that will offend you I'm going to leave or I'm not going to talk about it and Jeremy's one to like fix the issue right away we're not going to deal with it so we had to really learn how to deal with that but now with like our recent years of marriage it's really learning to okay, believe him and not try and dig up it like this, like maybe intentional, like an intention that he has in what he's saying, like, oh, I'm going to go out with the guys this week. Oh, well, you don't want to be home with me. That would be like my mindset. Like, oh, you don't want to like hang out with me tonight on the night that we're free or something. Like it's quick to the negative and not be like, oh, he just wants to spend time with his guy friends. Like that's okay. You know? So I think it's just really stopping and realizing like, okay, what is, why am I feeling like this? Is there something in there in my heart that is just, that needs to be gone and just to believe what he's saying? Yeah, mine's probably more out of insecurity. I like, I don't think he likes me. Or I don't think they like me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I yeah. do that a lot. Yeah. So that's probably where mine's based out of. I don't yeah. think it's a female thing. I see males with it all the time in my, in my work, but. Yeah, I do think, yeah, insecure thing. And like, kind of like I mentioned earlier, just like really focusing on like, negative I can find myself going kind of in a oh, spiral yeah. of just like kind of like negative and being like all right I guess like kind of just like going down that path but I think also it really stems from me being kind of insecure in certain areas so kind of a little bit of yeah a, a mixture yeah. yeah and I think our false beliefs are like almost the same but a little bit different yes yeah. it's right like yeah. your false beliefs go negative and yeah. you're like there's a second motive here. yeah like, like, like you motive. hate me <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, Ephesians 4.25, so stop telling lies. Mm. Stop telling those lies to yeah. yourself. So is there anything yeah. that you've done? Is there anything that you've learned to combat that negative script? Or you just, it's only been 24 hours since the sermon, so still No, I've been working <laughs> on it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been working on it for years, and therapy mm -hmm. is changing that thinking of they don't have to like me. 
<laughs> like there's no requirement, you know, God likes me and I am who God created and not everyone's going to like that. And that's mm -hmm. okay. Like, I don't like everybody. So just like combating those negative thoughts with rational thoughts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Using the more rational part of my brain instead of my feeling. Yeah. For us too, I feel like we've been way better at communicating and I think communication is stems in all of it. Um, but when we weren't communicating and he would like last minute tell me something that he was doing or he wanted to do, I would be like, what? You didn't tell me that. And then that's where I would believe, oh, you don't want to be around me. Oh, you'd want to get away from the house tonight or, you know, all these lies. Um, but when we've been more open and communicative um, about what we're doing, it's been way better because I know he is true and he's saying what he's saying because he just genuinely wants to do something. And I can believe that because it's where his heart's at. It's not the lie. Right. So How do you guys communicate that? It's be earlier, like not last <laughs> second stuff. Like I feel like when we've been last second and like something isn't in the calendar, I'm a very like to the T organized person. Like if it's not on the calendar or if it's not in our book or if it's not on the timeline in my head and it doesn't go as planned, I get frustrated. And that's a problem I'm also dealing with is that like, I need to not be so uptight about my, my life. And I like, if, and he's not like that, like he, he's getting better at like organizing his life, but it's like working through those two. Um, we're just different people. Yeah. Um, so learning to communicate and being on a schedule, it helps us significantly in our, like we have a shared calendar. So shared calendars have been super helpful for us, um, because it doesn't, um, bring up conflict when we both know what's planned and it's been, it's been helping us the past couple of years with that. So, yeah. And I think that's huge. Cause like it's coming to the understanding that we are two very different people yeah. personality wise like emotionally like we're just on a pretty much like we're on our own pages so making sure we come together and like hey what do you need what do you need from me and really like kind of checking in with each other because knowing that we are we have we're similar in ways but we're also completely opposite in most areas um so that making sure okay what do we need from each other and kind of communicating that to help um is, is just huge so Another thing too that I was just thinking of is that I feel like we are so, we like rely on our emotional feelings all the time, whereas our feelings are so inconsistent. Like every day is different. Like you can be happy one day and the next day you can be so mad. And it's like, if you always rely on your feelings to get you through your marriage, it's going to fail. Like it's going to fail. Yep. So having that mindset, like it's what's sad about the world is I feel like everyone's like, oh, be happy, do what you feel good, but no, that's going to get you in a pitfall. Um, yeah. The, what is that quote? Um, the, uh, the follow your heart quote. What, what is that famous one? Follow, follow your, heart your heart's and desires <laughs> or follow your heart and it won't lead you astray. Yeah. <laughs> I, always say, so, I always say in therapy, like, your heart's what? poison. Don't listen. Yeah. In um, John Mark Comer's book, live no lies. He talks about that statement that we always say, follow your heart. The guy who said it was a complete dirtbag, a complete oh. dirtbag. And so the full quote is, it's almost like about using women and um, uh, it, it's just a complete, Ironic, he's a complete huh? dirtbag. And so all of culture is quoting this guy. <laughs> And yeah, modeling so their romantic. life out of this one statement of a guy who's a complete dirtbag. 
and maybe I'll find the quote here while we continue to talk, but that's a, that's a bad thing. And that, that's a you. good, that's a good book recommendation, by the way. Um, Live No Lives. That's it, probably, probably the best book I read in, in 2021. Listen, let me ask you this question. All right. Um, how have kids ruined your marriage? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Now our kids are going to listen. But so anyway, it's a kind of a joke question, but kids change marriage. Oh my gosh, and yes, kids absolutely. Can be yeah. a, honestly, kids can be a cause of divorce, mm-hmm. which that was what my third point was going to be. Um, for, don't forget your friends or forgetting your friends yeah. is being a pitfall because kids can make you yeah. forget why you fell in love and got married. Yeah. And uh, But how, how, how have you adjusted? We've got teenagers. You've got a newborn. <laughs> yeah. You've got toddlers about to enter preschool yeah. how how what was the hard part how have you adjusted I think it's good because we're all at different stages yeah, in this I was too so say, <laughs> I'll be honest I could start it this last year I want to say this this sixth year that we've been has probably been one of the most challenging for us I think it's mentally exhausting having two toddlers in the house always needing things like I feel like we have been like like disconnected because we've been, our energy has been so focused on our kids that like, it was nice when we would have like, you know, an intern or somebody that would help us and get our date nights in. Cause that like totally changed. Like when you prioritize a date night, man, it can like change your whole week. So just making like dating your spouse a priority has been helped. Like at least it's helped us reconnect and like feel passionate again. Um, because kids seriously do like, they're such a blessing like it's been so fun to see how we are as like it makes us learn so much about each other and like myself I've learned so much about myself with having the kids but it is exhausting and sometimes you get in the the rut of life and you just you realize like three months have passed and you haven't done or haven't had like any time together and you're like wow where are we (laughs) like you know so and And also just like valuing too, when the kids go to bed, that quiet time. Like I remember when we first had Eloise, my firstborn, I remember talking to you guys, how I felt so like empty, like we were stuck at home. I had no like life outside of the house. I was in this new chapter of motherhood and I was like feeling kind of defeated alone. I, and just like bored, like I didn't have my freedom quote unquote that I used to. And you said, Michelle, just embrace the season of life that you're in because it's going to go by in a blink of an eye. And I was like, wow, like, yeah, it's so simple, but it's so true to have that in your head. And it changes your perspective on what you're living in. Like, this is wonderful. Like, we are going to have quiet time at seven o'clock when the kids go to bed. Let's watch a movie and snuggle on the couch. Like, we're not going to get that in seven years when we're going back and forth to baseball games and dance, you know, dance practices or whatever. Like, so just to embrace the season that we're in and really like find the value and fun things to do in those quiet moments at seven o'clock at night when the kids are in bed. Yeah. And I think the hardest part of transitioning with kids is when they don't go to bed at seven anymore. (laughs) Or when they forego a nap. Oh my gosh. I'm not mentally ready for that. And it's happening. (laughs) Yeah. This is stupid. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like kind of right in the start of that because we're in our first year. So Theo is eight months or next week. So we're kind of in that first year. We're kind of in the midst of that (laughs) because it's so, it's so hard. And it's like, he just is constant, like, 
it's just constant attention on mm. him. And so it's really hard to shift the focus back onto like us kind of putting that tension back on each other instead right. of on him because he is still, he's still little and he's still pretty much, well, he's still a hundred percent dependent on me, especially. So like, it's hard to focus on, on each other when he's kind of that constant attention. So it is, it's been hard, but making that time to, all right, even though he's still, um, he still needs me, we're going to take this two hours and we're going to go out on a date or um, like, like going to him going to bed and having that time. It's hard right now because he still wakes up yeah. 10 times. Um, <laughs> so it's like not a seven o'clock. Oh, we just have a hangout time. It's like, okay, he'll be up in 20 minutes and then in an hour. Yeah, that's a hard <laughs> so stage. it's still right. definitely in the, like, the midst of it. And so we're kind of still in that hard stage. And yeah. it is, it's like, it's hard. Like it's amazing. And I like, I love like being a parent is like the best, mm. the best thing, but it's, it's hard when it comes to each other and, and like, Putting that, like, it was always just, I mean, for four, for just about five years, it was always just the two of us. And um, and that kind of, it's like completely blew up overnight when he came. And so it just is kind of trying to discover each other again in our, like, relationship again, because it's not going to be the way it was before he was, before he was here. So it's kind of a, kind of a work in progress. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they have books for how to be a good parent to your children, yeah. but not to how to be a good spouse while you have a, yeah, a, while you have a time. Like, where are the books for that? <laughs> how do I be human? How do I yeah. be human and a good loving spouse to my, ch- my when you're like <laughs> exhausted yeah. and like on three hours of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything you want to add, you Michelle? That. No, I mean, our kids, well, we have four boys, three who are the boss. So uh, <laughs> they eat babysitters alive and yeah we it's hard for us to ever go out or go away it's just and I've learned to just be like this is just life right now one day they'll be 18 and they can do whatever they want we'll plan the um, Hawaii trip but Michelle yeah. already has a date planned for the day is the, it Benton turns the 18 day Benton turns 18 or we're like, gonna bail we're not on him responsible. on his birthday no like when we're the not responsible day. for Ouch. this right like when we're not when they're not needing us as much we are waking up like we used to pre-kids and going to Boston and splurging. Yeah. We're going to do whatever we want. We're going to go find fondue. We're going to go to the baseball game. I don't know what I, I'll find, find a concert I don't hotel even room. like. <laughs> Get a hotel room. Like when we pre-kids, we just wake up and have fun. Wake yeah. up at 10 in the morning. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I couldn't even imagine waking up at 10, 10 in the morning. 10 in the afternoon, you mean? <laughs> yeah. 10 in the afternoon. My head would hurt at this point in my life, but... It's just hard because they do just need you. Mm. And I'm learning to just be like, you know what? I'm just going to, my kids just need me right now. I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to love them, let them grow. And then, you know, they'll be amazing adults. And they are amazing kids, obviously. Yeah. And we love our kids. I, I know a couple of them will listen to this. We love them. But for the rest of the church, we don't ever pretend we're perfect. Our kids aren't perfect. Yeah. There's a lot of struggle that we go through in our household trying to help our kids through their difficulties. So we don't ever want to pretend that, but they are absolutely amazing and we love them. Here's a question. Have you ever been a third wheel on a date? Anybody ever have that experience? Yeah, multiple yeah. times. I don't think I ever have. <laughs> have you ever made someone be a third wheel on a date? No, I don't think so. Yes, ish. Well, it was another married so couple. Talk so. about so. He, I, like I, I'm making a I'm making a point here. I'm, I'm getting <laughs> to a point here, but the the third wheel of the date, right? They're just a tag along. They have mm-hmm. to be there, whether it's a little sibling or it's a friend. Like they're just there, but the date's not about them. 
here's my here's my kids and marriage advice. Treat your kids like the third wheel. They're the third wheel. Yeah. So it does not revolve That's around good. them. You go and do on your date and make that poopy diaper kid tag along with you. <laughs> yeah. You go go out to dinner, go for your walk, uh, watch your movies, hug on the couch, and that kid is just the third wheel. Listen, we do that to our kids for sure. <laughs> we run our lives, and they are subject to it, and it's yeah. not the other way around. Mm-hmm. Their sports, it's based on the ones we pick. They get a say in it, and then sometimes we sign them up every, anyway, or they can say, this is the ones we want, and we say, sorry, it doesn't work for us in this season, yeah. and, um, and so we don't let them do it. Uh, they don't get to do every hobby. Now, they get to do a lot of hobbies that other kids don't get to, but it's based on the outcomes we want. So why do they have so many animals? And, you know, oh, every kid's dream. Their parents, they just give their kids any animal they want. You know what we're giving them? Chores. We're giving them a work ethic. And the yeah. one thing I didn't want is for a bunch of lazy American boys coming out of my household and so and so that's why we got animals because we want them to learn hard work and effort um so again everything for us has a deliberate purpose but that's my marriage advice here's a it's kind of probably a kind of a closing question um you know can you have a bad marriage but still be a good spouse can you be in a bad marriage and still be a good spouse I mean, if I'm thinking of that correctly, it's, if, if you're, say that again. You're in a marriage, it's mm-hmm. a bad marriage. Yeah. Can you still be a good spouse? Oh, absolutely. That you have to be. Bad marriage. Because that's, I feel like you're analyzing yourself and you're trying to fix what you're trying to do your part. And you can't, if you can't fix your spouse and that's maybe creating the bad marriage, we don't know the situation, but like if you can fix yourself it, it will, God will bless you in that. Like if he's seeing favor in you and you're deliberately trying to find, you know, find your spouse's love language or doing things that are helping him be a better person. Like if you're supporting and respecting your spouse, um, yeah, it, it should be reciprocated. Um, but if you are learning to fix yourself before you want to fix your spouse, you can create a good marriage that way. Um, but yeah, I want to say yes, but it's going to be a, a lot of work and oh, yeah. like, it, it'll be probably like pretty exhausting. So if you're in, if you yeah, decide sure. I'm going to be a good spouse, but they decide they're not going to be, it can really, I feel like it can really like wear down on you. So it's just going to be a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of Jesus time. Honestly, if right. you kind of make that decision to, yeah, I'm going to be a good spouse in this bad marriage and they don't make that decision. It's going to be, it's going to be really, really tough. So like kind of working through that and knowing that ahead of time that like, yeah, I want to make this marriage. I want to be the best spouse I can be in the circumstance. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to trust in the Lord and I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm going to do what kind of what he's called me to in this marriage. Um, yeah, it'll be definitely hard, but yeah, I agree. I think you could have a great spouse and another spouse that just isn't putting in effort or wants to put in effort. Or, um, I think though that once one spouse is trying and there's change, the other spouses like oh, it seems to be would be compelled to change too. Yeah. So I don't know that the marriage would stay bad forever. But also, like, we're not in charge of our spouse's emotions or how they but act. But even if it does, 
right? Right. Even if it does. So the marriage is held hostage by the most selfish member of the marriage. And so the Christian marriage is supposed to be two people sacrificing and serving each other, trying to outdo one another in good, not trying to do something to rack up score points to force the other person to do something for us. Hey, I did this for you. You need to do this for me now. No, I've served you in love with no expectation. And so when we're trying to outdo one another in serving and in goodness, then that's the goal. That's where we hope. If we both get there, that marriage perpetually gets stronger, deeper, more intimate, and then it can withstand the hardest difficulties. Mm -hmm. What we see more often is you have a good spouse and a bad spouse in a bad marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just wanted to make sure we speak to that spouse that uh, don't give up, right? Yeah. You can, I think you can, You. I think ultimately what happens is you can have a good marriage with a bad spouse. I think probably is the outcome. And for some people, maybe that's the best it ever gets because that other individual is just so selfish. They're never mm-hmm. going to change. Yeah. And or their hearts grown so cold to the Holy Spirit, it's just going to be a divine intervention that may never come because again, it's their choice whether or not they're going to yield to Jesus. You can still have a good marriage with a bad spouse or a, an okay marriage, mm-hmm. and I've seen those over the years. I remember I got an aunt who everybody loved, but I wouldn't want to be married to her because the way she spoke to my uncle was like. So nasty. Mm, yeah, I've seen but that. he never even it. He had to have cared, but it seemed like he never cared. Yeah, he. He would her. just laugh it off, and he would go and make her another drink, mm-hmm. and he'd bring it to her at the pool. And he'd, oh, this is not what I wanted. It's <laughs> <laughs> such a good impersonation. Um, it's so and he's sad. like, "Oh, okay. What did you want? Well, I told you what I wanted. I wanted." And then he'd be like, "Okay," and he'd go and get it, and he and he wasn't like. He was definitely not someone who you'd think was whipped, right? Because he was not that way. <laughs> he just, had he a just served, heart. and he wasn't a Christian. Wow. wow! And he's still not a Christian. And I just think he was just always the guy. I want to be like, how <laughs> do you have the fruit of the Holy? How do you have the fruit of the Holy Spirit when you don't have the fruit of the Holy yeah, Spirit? Wow! Yeah. And if we have the Holy Spirit living within of oh, us, yeah. mm. then if my wife's having an off day, if Michelle's having an off day, or an off month, or an off year, or an off decade, or an off life, then I'm not responsible for how she. I, I don't have. To, I I respond according to the Word of God, according to the Holy Spirit, mm. not according to. You're making a bunch of faces like I've said something offensive. <laughs> no. Me and Charlie. So are just flip talking. it. Michelle can be a good wife. It doesn't matter if I have an off week, off month, off rest of my life. She can still her responsibility is to follow God's word and to honor Jesus, not to act in a certain way based on how I'm mm. acting. And when we say, Oh, you're not going to do this for me, then I'm not going to do this for you. Oh, you're going to act this way? Well, then I'm going to act this way. All of a sudden now we've gone on a death spiral. Mm-hmm. and Yeah, it brings us back to our very first point. Like right. We're responsible right, for our pitfalls. Mm-hmm. We don't right. get to blame anyone for them. But yep. yeah, We're just responsible for it. People can do what they want to us. It's our actions that come out that are our responsibility. Mm-hmm. All right. Listen, if you guys want to come back next week, you can. 
Um, we'll have to schedule it out. Michelle was already scheduled because we're gonna we were supposed to talk about pitfalls and mental health. So Michelle will be on next week, right? Did you yes. ever confirm on that? Um, <laughs> but you guys are welcome. Next week we're talking about pitfalls in the marital sexual relationship, and so that's what we're talking about. Ooh, la, and la. <laughs> um, I think it'd be good. I think we're gonna talk about some things that probably some people have never ever talked about, yeah. which is going to be good. And then I always like to try to give some recommendations here at the end. So first, my counselor, Dot Online, uh, they're the only Christian marriage um, counselors we know of that could actually take people. So mm-hmm. it is virtual, but do not dismiss virtual counseling. Michelle's a professional counselor. She counsels all our people through Zoom and telephone. Um, we do marriage counseling with um, uh, a guy in Colorado, and that's over Zoom. And so just don't dismiss it and say, well, I really needed help, but I just don't like Zoom. <laughs> no, <laughs> go for it. It's not going to make a difference. You're learning. All right. And so if you can learn from YouTube, you can learn from, from that. And then, uh, so my counselor to online and, and for next week, they do, um, intensive, uh, sexual therapy as well. So if you're a married, marital couple having, uh, sexual difficulties, they do counseling for that as well. So they, they do specialize in some of that stuff. Books, I'd recommend boundaries and marriage. Um, another book that we're going to recommend next week is um, Rated Boundaries and Marriages, uh, very high on uh, not having some of the evangelical Christian um, damaging teaching. So yeah. not every teaching that's taught in church or written in books is actually biblical or helpful. And so they've rated and scored that one very high. And then any marriage podcasts or anything you guys or book you want to recommend? What's that podcast we listen to sometimes on Fridays? I forget what it's called. I actually don't know which one you're referencing. The, the Naked the, Marriage? The Duty. The, the Naked duty. Marriage podcast, um, which um, Dave and Ashley Willis. Uh, and so I'm going to recommend them as well next week because they definitely focus a lot on the sexual relationship in their podcast and their pastors, and they do that podcast as well. So... Those are good to know. We'll pass those on to you. We'll have a few more book recommendations and stuff next week. But any final thoughts from you guys? No, I mean, it was a great sermon. I loved it. It was really informative. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Thank you guys for being here. And uh, listen, let me say this too. Thank you for letting your husbands work at the church. Thank you for coming to Fuse Night. Thank you for being involved. Thank you for coming all the trips that we go on. Um, for being not just um, spouses of pastors, but for being friends to us, for uh, just every sacrifice that the church never sees. But Michelle and I know because we've lived it. Thank you guys so much for that. And same for Rinku, who's who's not here, Pastor Stephen's wife. We obviously love you as well, Rinku. But I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. I'm so proud of you. Uh, so honored to serve in ministry with you guys. And uh, you're great leaders. I love you so much. All right, we're out of here.